0: Hello, hello, hello. What's going on, people? You're locked into another episode of Over The Bridge Podcast. Um, We have a really special episode today. Um, We're joined by a special guest um, who I'll shortly introduce. Um, But before we crack on, I think just a couple of things to to touch on. Obviously, we just had the live show and released the episode for that last week. Um, How's everyone feel about the live show? That went really well. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was was
1: good, you know. Really fun. fun. Yeah, Ben and... Alex's, they killed yes. it. Bunch of us. If you haven't listened yet to the live show, check it out now. I think some people have said it's probably our best episode. It's quite a long one. Yeah. Um, but when we were recording it, it just flew by. Um, and I feel like, yeah, the conversation is such, it's just like it, everything just kind of flowed, yeah. and yeah, you kind of don't realize that it's like almost two
0: hours long. Yo, <laughs> yeah, literally, because just, I mean, it felt like literally an hour. Yeah, yeah. And then by the time you notice, know, it's like, oh well. Mm.
1: So, so we were we were talking. I mean the the name of the podcast episode, the live show, was called "Masculinity Taking Off the Mask," and Jeez. we essentially just um yeah just unpacking what modern masculinity is, um how we navigate it as um non white men, uh and yeah we touched on a few different things. So just check it out. It's it's a really good discussion, uh and shout out to Alexander Leon and. The real, the real Ben, Hurst. The real ben <laughs> Hurst. Yeah, we was also actually Bilal and I were um we were guests on. Oh yeah, um, that's ben... probably gone out now as well. By the time this goes yeah. out, yeah. Um, so check us out on uh, the Litmus podcast. That's with um, Swazi Michaeli and Shout out Swazi. yeah, big up Swazi. Um, and another OTB alumni. Mm. And I um, and, and, was like a real link up. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Ben Ben Hurst again. So um, yeah, we were on there talking about uh the university experience. So um, yeah, I think it should be live by now So mm. check that out as well Litmus Podcast uh, So yeah, so we um... Sweet,
0: yeah um, It's been quite a eventful week yep. um, I think... Yeah, I was at your house That well, was yeah, this week you Bilal know. came to, to, to check me That was like the highlight of my week Is it? <laughs> Tuesday, yeah. I saw you this week What do you mean that's the highlight? <laughs> sorry, you man Ask Quake... so I was Quaker <laughs> hell, <I'm> <laughs> I mean, We're chilling Talking about life and what have you yeah. um, But that Monday Well, I think on the Sunday prior um, everyone I guess well heard about the passing of Nipsey Hussle mm-hmm. um, so yeah you may have heard us referencing quite a lot particularly Tom and yeah. myself who are obviously really big fans mm. um, I was talking about his I guess what he brought to the hip hop scene and also the way he inspired a lot of people from our generation to mm. firstly mm. kind of really value independence yep. mm. um, take ownership of of your what your kind of value you are bringing into the world mm. Um, and yeah, kind of taking Or making positive out of a negative situation yeah. um, Which really inspired me And I'm sure a lot of people it was surprising to see how many people from London He connected with I saw and I was listening to him from like 2008 I thought he was quite a niche artist Yeah, um, he's
1: one of those artists I think for me That was like sort of underground in a sort of way But also very popular as yeah, well Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah Because he used to get a lot of like I guess what people would consider A list yeah. artists yeah. as features.
1: Yeah, I mean like yeah, like look look at all the people that spin on on the on the latest album. Mm. Just goes to show how respected he was. I think he was a respected artist and he wasn't someone yeah. that was like that concerned with like being mainstream and radio player and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. he had a really, really um a big fan base. Yeah. Um, very
0: entrepreneurial. I think that's yeah. another thing that a lot of people took from him. Yeah. Um and even side of music, just like yeah. really being on your grinds. Having your business mm. savvy on, and then also um, giving back to your community yeah. in the process as well. Yeah um, And another thing he talked a lot about was kind of financial independence, which leads on very wow, nicely look at that to, segue. Um, he's been look learning from you now. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's but like, I've been, I've been sitting here, man. <laughs> 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 I've been just, yeah, sitting. He's actually sitting where I normally sit as well. <laughs> actually, like, <laughs> it must be the seat. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> all the Bilal segway energy powers. Just, you know what I mean? But yeah, rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, rest in power. Yeah. Rest in power. Yeah, but um, yeah. So this episode, we're going to be talking about financial independence, Mm. and we have a special guest who is what I I think is fair to say a prominent person in the kind of financial independence movement in the UK. Um, he is the owner of a blog called The Humble Penny, um, and also has like a coaching and consulting service through that in which he teaches other people how to um reach financial independence, how to generate extra income through various means, um. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting the pearls of wisdom that he has to offer. Um, he's a person that actually reached financial independence um, by the age of 34. Do you know how mad that is?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it spins me like, but it, yeah. yeah, I so, just, so I, I just want to ask how, like, how yeah, did you do it? Like, let, yeah, me, yeah. let me get my notepad out. Right? <laughs> we'll definitely, gonna definitely gonna get doing. to that. But if I
0: don't yeah. say
2: anything, it's because I'm taking
0: notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and listeners, if you're listening, definitely like, Get your pen and pad out and, yeah. and be ready to take notes because <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of gems that are going to be dropped. Yeah, um, but yeah, let's let's crack on. Um, Ken, hey, uh, if you could just, I guess,
3: introduce yourself briefly. Right, so guys, I'm my name's Ken or Coraful. I'm, uh, I'm 35 now. I'm dad, uh, married to Mary. We've got two sons, aged six and four.
0: Oh, cool, That's sweet, beautiful, and. When we talk about financial independence, I know at least from me, it seems like something that is kind of like impossible. Even when I told the guys about um, having you on the podcast, a bit like, "Hold on, mm. someone that at the age of, you know, in these mid thirties was able to reach financial independence—like, is that even possible?" Mm. I know from my per- perspective, coming from um, a household in which it was kind of like living paycheck to paycheck in some mm-hmm, respects. Mm-hmm. um, it's not something that just seems feasible, um, so I think, or something that is reserved to people mm. from kind of wealthy backgrounds, mm-hmm. affluent yeah. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm really hoping to uncover through this episode like, um, ways in which just the everyday person from mm-hmm. humble backgrounds can, um, can, can, can kind of um, sorry to um, interrupt. Can we just <laughs> sort of unpack
1: what um, final financial independence yeah, yeah, means? Yeah, yeah, because um, I think,
0: but I think before we do that though, yeah, let's just get, I wanted to hear a bit more about. Ken's story, like okay. his his kind of journey into it, and then I guess we can talk a little bit about what it is and mm. yeah, okay. like like ways to go about. It. So yeah, what's what's your what's your story like? Where did you grow up and what? So
3: I um, so I kind of look at my life into in two stages. So I was born in Lagos in Nigeria, and I lived there for fifteen years. So I went to primary school. I then went to secondary school in Lagos. Um, I went to a boarding school in Lagos, and I was there in secondary school for four years. Uh, and at, at the age of fourteen slash fifteen, my mum, because my dad was actually already in the UK, my he'd left. Typically, immigrants that one person leaves mm-hmm. first and mm-hmm. goes to kind of discover the land, as it were, mm-hmm. um, and build some relationships or maybe find a footing. Yeah. Um so my dad was already here. So my mum kind of found a way uh for us to um kind of immigrate to the UK. And I'll never forget the day she said, because I was at boarding school, I only really saw my mum once once every quarter, maybe once every four months. So she came down and said, right, this is it. We are we're we are moving to the UK. And for me, that felt like um, we'd literally won the lottery. Wow! Mm. Um, mm. It was it was it was such a major thing um, because the reason why that was such a major thing was back in in the late nineties um, there was a massive kind of military role in in Nigeria. So there was no kind of there was no concept of de- democracy or anything like that. So mm. you know schools were always shut. Well, I shouldn't say always, but most of the time they were, they were shut because of strikes and mm. what have you. Yeah. And life was massively unstable, so most people were kind of looking for parts of the world where they could they could move to. And you know, my mother uh, and dad were not we're not we're not different. They really wanted a different life for their kids. So you know, we moved here, and I was fourteen years old when we um, when we moved here. I'm and, and, and one of um, one of three children and the firstborn, so you know I had quite a lot of responsibility at that age because at that stage of our lives we were new essentially to a new country virtually a new, a new language um new culture new new everything new people I, I'd, I'd never really seen white people before before that time um i lived in northwest london the same, so. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so it was a completely different life so uh, in terms of life to where i've come from a lot of that life a lot of what you see today almost a lot of what we're going to talk about really feed from kind of what, what I'd been through mm, and, yeah. and and kind of where, where it, that transition from that part of the world to this part of the world. Mm-hmm. And and kind of the life after that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um,
0: and just for context, kind of professionally, what, what mm-hmm. kind of um
3: work do you do? So I'm I'm so I'm a chief financial officer for a uh venture capital firm in London, an investment manager. Mm-hmm. I'm a chartered accountant by profession. So I trained as a chartered accountant, um uh, and then I held an MBA uh, as well. But I would just like to point out, and like, this is for some people, this might be quite. It, it might sound like, oh my god, this 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 guy's done quite a lot of things. Um, I'd just like to point out the reason I mentioned the immigrant thing earlier. It's just kind of give some people some context, right? So mm-hmm. there were times. I'm going to be really, really, really clear with you guys. So there were times when. Um, Many years. So the first decade, nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and eight, I I almost called them the decade of the decade of darkness because there no, there's really no life for us here. Because a lot of what we struggled with in the UK was we didn't have the rights to get jobs in the normal way, and mm. uh, we didn't have the rights to the NHS. We didn't have the rights to pretty much what most people take for granted today. So. So a lot of the struggle back then was how on earth are we going to put food on the table? Mm. How are we going to do it? You know, my mum went from, you know, having a really, really good, fairly good job in, fairly decent job in in Nigeria mm. uh, with the hope that, you know, she'd come here and things would be amazing. But to actually working, cleaning KFC and yeah. sweeping the floor. I, myself, at the age of 14, 15, I used to clean a paper factory in Walthamstow. Mm. You know, because those jobs were not, were not jobs that you had a P60 and a P45 and mm, yeah. you know, what have you. You just kind of, whoever said to you, look, this is, hey, I'll pay you, cash whatever. <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> it's mm. a job. You're like, yeah, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is just so that people can have some context of what's possible in 20 years, so so I'm talking 1998 arrival, we're in 2019. Mm. Uh, So I've been in the UK now for 20 years and the the kind of financial independence, which we're going to talk about, really started in 2008 slash nine, which is 10 years ago. So Mm. it was Mm. the first decade, which is really kind of risk-taking. We're going to go a lot more into into that, but kind of trying things out and just pushing the boundaries a bit because like, I had nothing to lose because mm. <laughs> things were so bad, mm. um, and then you know life kind of started to change in in kind of two thousand and eight slash nine.
0: Well, okay, mm. I think um a lot of us, um even if it's not like, kind of our lived experience, we can definitely relate to the immigrant story from our mm. parents and aunties and uncles and even like cousins and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um a lot of what you you've mentioned kind of rings true. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we've kind of touched on the financial independence,
3: it would be really great to just get a a clear definition of what that means Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so everybody who's listening to this podcast uh, including us here um, everybody's on a money journey okay Mm. most people don't know they're on a money journey um there there are about seven stages typically that we all we all go through and financial independence is one step in that journey Okay, so I'll start by explaining it this way. So when we're kind of born and we're with our parents, we depend on our parents Mm. and we depend on them for finances and home and what have you. So there's great dependence on our parents. And then we get slightly older, you know, we're 15, 16, 17, 18, and we we want some independence, want to move out and start our own thing. So get a job, start making some income. And what happens is as you make some income, you start to incur expenses and you start to take on, Become exposed to some debt. You might have student loans, might have overdrafts, and what have you. The dependence we had on our parents then shifts um, onto uh, to debt. Usually, for example, mm. um, that stage is typically referred to as a stage of financial solvency. Because what you tend to, what tends to happen at that stage is what you're doing most of the time is trying to meet expenses with income. So you go to to your work, you wake up and make some money, then you pay your bills, and that's it. Okay. So most people, the majority of people out there, um, out there are at this stage of financial solvency. So they they pretty much feel like they're swimming each month, trying to just meet expenses and pay down debt. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And then beyond that are other stages. So beyond that is, um, a stage of financial stability, which is a stage at which, uh, you have about six, three to six months worth of savings. So you've managed somehow uh, to build up savings, i.e., you're spending a lot less um, than you're making. Okay, so that financial stability becomes a, a really critical stage. Beyond that, then comes financial um, security, which is a stage at which you have about a year to three years worth of savings uh, put aside. So this is a stage whereby, if, if you get sacked from your job, it's not the end of the world. You know, you've got a year, to three years worth of savings. That's all good. Okay, you can kind of survive for quite a while. And beyond that stage of financial security, as things move on, is the stage of financial independence. And that stage is a stage at which you have uh, about 25 years worth of expenses or the stage at which you have income from your assets exceeding... uh, your, your, your costs, your typical costs each month. So mm-hmm. if you had some investments that were generating, you say you had expenses of two grand a month mm-hmm. and you had some investments generating, I don't know, two and a half grand a month, for example. Mm-hmm. And that happens every single month, you know, then you're at the stage of financial independence because you're able to meet your normal costs of living, um, your essential costs and things without any, you know, without the need to go to work to to make that happen because you've put in place certain vehicles such as assets to help you make that happen. And then beyond financial independence is kind of financial freedom mm. and financial abundance and so on. Does that oh. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes
0: <laughs>
2: sense. Um, I'm just baffled that you that's possible in London. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, like, I get that. That's cool. Has, Definitions yeah, make yeah, sense. Yeah. But like living in London, how the hell do you have money coming in that is like... More than your costs of just existing and that, breathing. Well, that's, in the sea. that's
3: interesting because mm. uh, I, I can it's, it's interesting. I kind of look at London as an opportunist. I kind of see mm. London as, um, maybe it's because I'm wearing my immigrant hat, kind of as a mm. place where. Mm. Literally, this is. Anything I'm, I'm here to mine gold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm kind of like, this is an amazing city. Yeah. Like, the opportunities are insane. Yeah. So, I just see it yeah. as like, how am I always to put my
2: Oyster card? Like, how is this possible? Yeah. <laughs> the, but mm.
3: it's, we're going to unpack mm, some mm, of that mm, stuff. Mm, and mm. Just give, give you some thoughts. It's really
2: good. It's
1: a really good breakdown, man. Yeah, I've never I've never really, I mean, I've heard those terms before sort of in isolation, but I've never sort of thought about it like a spectrum
0: like that.
3: So it's really cool. Yeah, yeah it, it really helps. And what's interesting about it is mm. I think the initial thing is kind of figuring out that you're actually on a journey. Mm. Mm. Because most of us are at that initial stage of financial solvency where we're just literally swimming and trying to pay expenses and that's it or pay mm. debt. But if you, the minute you figure out that, actually, hold on, there are people way ahead in the spectrum. How on earth did they get there? Mm, you know, mm, the mm. minute you figure that out, yeah, um, it becomes interesting because you, you can then go, well, actually, where am I at the moment? Well, I'm here mm. and those guys are there. How mm. you know how how did they get there? You know, what uh, have they done differently? Yeah,
2: and this is this is where like the mystery element comes into it, because mm, there's yeah. always like Like even when we were talking before Kweku, it was like, but how? Like that is—is this possible without a scam or like a pyramid (laughs) scheme? What's really going on? And I think there's always, like you said, that that element of like secrecy and mystery attached Mm -hmm. to. But how has someone achieved this? Right, Mm -hmm. that's Mm what's going on. Yeah. How did you?
1: When did you sort of um, learn about um, the sort of the sort financial journey, as you put Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. Um, And when when did the sort of I mean, did you always have this in mind when you like no. first came here? Or no, 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 no. What was the sort of the light switch no way. Now?
3: So the, the the light bulb moment light it was bulb in 2009. Um, I just I just broken up with somebody and I was on my way home. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. <laughs> I was on my way yeah. home. Strong motorway. And uh, it always is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you <either laughs> was, just cry, or then you just like sort your life out. <laughs> so. I, was, I was reading the metro newspaper, and there's an advert in the paper that um, invited me to. Uh, basically a property investing seminar. And I went along to that. And um, unknown to me, there's gonna be there was gonna be somebody at that seminar who had, I was probably gonna get to know for quite some time, probably the rest of my <laughs> life. Anyway, it turned out that my wife's brother, who's my wife now, I've given the game away, but <laughs> my uh my wife Mary, her her brother could not take his wife along, so he took his little sister along. And so anyway, we met at that seminar and that whole entire seminar was really designed to help you start to look at life by 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 some design so you could kind of try and game this this financial thing Mm -hmm. and kind of almost plot your escape from from the rat race Mm -hmm. basically and it's tied in really well with the, the book i was reading at the time called the rich dad Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm. which had exposed me to just uh, th- just dif- different ideas. And for me, I kind of figured, once I'd read that and been to that seminar and met Mary, we became friends and friendship became something else. And then we, <laughs> we, we got engaged and got married. And we then started this journey in 2009 where we said, well, actually... What do we want life to look like in the next 10 years, mm-hmm. next 15 years before we, you know, when we think about having kids and what have you, what do we really want life to look like differently. Bear in mind the context at that stage was we'd been like as a family, for me anyway, we'd been struggling massively like to, to, to make things happen, to mm-hmm. pay the the rent. My parents were barely, you know, I don't think we even owned a home back then, Should I think two 2000- thousand? And within, I don't know, 2009, I'd just bought, I'd just about scraped through to buy my first, my first, first flat. Oh, wow. Uh, how old are you? Uh, 25 World, 20, or 20, mm. something like that. Mm. Um, but bear in mind, right? It, mm. These are different times, right? Yeah, so yeah prices back so then, the yeah. banks were given. I'd, I'd got my first flat, 97.5% mortgage. Wow. So I put down like, I don't know. It was 6 grand or something. My God. And even yes. that 6 grand <laughs> I had to like, you know, I had to um, mm. you know, really yeah. really mm. do some yeah. <laughs> some mm. hard work to save that money. But anyway, um so a lot was a lot hadn't started happening and then things started to snowball because uh I was now I read I now had some kind of an idea of what well, actually could life be this particular way. If we did these particular things, mm. right, and we started to then look for other people, I started to look read other blogs that um, kind of exposed my mind and kind of just opened my mind to other possibilities that if we did certain things, then we would have an incredible option. Hopefully, in ten or fifteen years, of really not having to go to work for money necessarily, but mm. mm-hmm. go to work because we really enjoyed what we did and you know, we had the option to do life very, very differently. Mm -hmm. So at that stage, me and Mary then thought, you know what, we're going to just pursue this thing. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know know many people who were pursuing financial independence Mm -hmm. back then. But we thought, okay, we're just going to start. Again, the way we started was through properties initially. Okay, cool. Um,
0: I think because, I mean, we've talked a little bit about (laughs) what financial independence is. And I know that myself and the rest of the boys and... Hopefully our listeners as well Really want to get to the meat of Okay I'm at this stage in my life How mm. do I actually go about Getting into financial independence Because mm. everyone hates steps? the Everyone hates the rat race Everyone wants to like Everyone's like Leave Babylon right? mm. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's in the same and, kind and
1: the of thing, way right now The thing that I want to know as well is Also Is it something that's Possible for First of all Anyone mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also Everyone yep. Like mm-hmm. Does it require some people To remain stuck in the rat race For, for it to For it to be possible because or like a zero sum game, yeah. Yeah,
2: because like everybody can't have it. Because yeah, because if it if it
1: were requires. if it were possible for everyone, then I
2: don't know. I I, I mean I can't think of what the <laughs> are the you, just, are, would you be. are you basically saying that like the capitalist system doesn't allow for everybody to be financially?
3: I guess so. Yeah,
2: but I I, I want to hear what what Ken thinks.
1: So
3: mm-hmm. this is that's a really good question. And many people people often ask me. Well, I'm on. I'm on 19k per annum. I'm on 20k per annum. Mm. Is financial independence a possibility for me? Right. Mm. right so I I answered that by saying, look, you know, at one point I I didn't even make three pounds an hour, mm. right? Um, I'm not going to tell you why I make now, but um, it's a lot more than that. Mm. Okay, and it's three fifty for me. It's three fifty. That's it <laughs> for me. For me, the big kind of so just answer that question directly. So I think everybody has the possibility of achieving financial independence, Mm -hmm. but not everybody will. Okay. Right? I mean, that's just plain facts, right? Not Mm -hmm. everybody will. Mm -hmm. Simply because, I'm going to be really, really upfront about this. Um, The thing is, not everybody likes pain. Mm -hmm. Okay? Not everybody likes pain. and What I mean by that is, um, what I found personally in my, my journey is that, um, achieving anything requires a real trade-off mm-hmm. okay and not everybody's prepared to almost execute that trade almost mm-hmm. press that button and say this is i'm going to do this mm-hmm. by giving up x y and z mm-hmm. or i'm going to do this by pushing myself in this direction to try abc mm-hmm. i'm going to do this not everybody can do that because mm-hmm. not Most of us like the comfortable, the comfort of our, of our environments. Okay. Um, So a big, some of the levers, some of the things that have helped me on this journey are personal development is one of them. And the second one's a lot of risk, kind of Mm. risk taking. So
2: do you need a risk taking mindset in order to gain financial independence?
3: No, you need, um, you need number one, a a, a plan. Mm-hmm. So you need to kind of know that there's a program you can follow. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and number two, um you need a change in your kind of mindset and approach to lifestyle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So culturally, most guys like BMWs or Mercs or I don't know, big nice cars, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I used, I used to drive a really nice Audi. Mm. Yeah, but you saw the car I came in here today. You know, I drive in this Sand Leaf, right? Mm-hmm. It took quite a with fair- 20-inch bit- rooms now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 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 it took quite a different mindset to kind of just rethink, mm-hmm. rethink our approach to whether we need a car at all. And if we need one, how does it feed? how does it fit in with the values we have and- the lifestyle we're trying to build. So it's That's a sort of
2: like asking yourself the questions of, is this a want or a need, right? And if, if my end goal is to be financially secure, mm. do I actually need all of this flashy stuff? Is that sort of what you're saying?
3: Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's you see, a lot of this journey, it says some of that, but a lot of this journey is a very individual thing. So a lot of us in our decision making are influenced a lot by our our, our friends and mm. family members, right? Mm. So we want to live in a really big house because it's a thing to do. You know, our friends and families mm-hmm. uh, live in big houses. Mm-hmm. For example, the, the choice to live in London. I'm going to give you a I'm going to be really clear. Like, I'd love to live in, in Westcombe Park or in Marleybone or in mm. really nice parts of London, mm-hmm. right? But I chose to live in Dartford, mm. which is uh, just outside yeah, 06. Yeah. Why is that? Because I understood how debt works and I understand that debt compounds and I understand that the more debt I take on, the more I'm tied into Uh, this life of living with, you know, having to pay this thing down forever. Mm. So we chose to go there because it's very close to London. I can walk to a London train station, Mm. get into central London within 40 minutes, but I'm paying very little. Mm. I was anyway when we had had a mortgage. Paying very little as far as debt's concerned, right? And we knew that because me and Mary said, you know what, when we do buy it, when we had our 10-year plan as a kind of a journey, said, so, okay, when we do buy a place, we want as little debt as possible. We're going to move in. We're not going to move out. We're going to just do whatever it took to overpay and pay this thing off whilst also building uh, mm. our financial independence pot.
2: And I think, I think that's really interesting because obviously loads of people are listening being like, oh, so what he's saying is I need to get out of London in order to be financially independent. Not or like, Or be out of like a bigger city because mm-hmm. we've got international people as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's often what you hear Mm -hmm. is that this is this is not a place that you can build life this is not a place that's sustainable um if if
3: you're trying to be debt-free um would you say that that's the case so what i would say is is there shouldn't be there shouldn't be a fascination with wanting to live in london right personally that's how i kind of look at it so i i always look for the arbitrage so you know you could work so i work in london i work in marleybone right and you know I get I get paid quite well mm. in my in what I do, um, but I live out there because the costs are so so low, and because we had designed life that way. Remember, this entire journey is about life design. Mm. So it's about what do you want the life? What what life do you want, and what do you want it to look like? And for me, we were thinking, okay, we're going to have kids. Okay, we're thinking about secondary schools. About primary schools, okay, they're going to go to these grammar schools, Mm. possibly. We're like, okay, this this city. We did quite a bit of homework about prices, proximity to London, blah blah. blah. We chose that spot because we bought in at a good time. We knew that if our kids were growing, if we had kids and they'd grow, it would work really well. So Mm. a lot of that thought process came from this idea of life design. This idea that what is it I actually want life to look like? How could I do it such that I actually win this race rather than being kind of doing it how everybody else does it which mm. is right i'm going to wait for that sw2 postcode or i'm going to wait for you know which yeah. is what this this yeah, kind for of the housing the, market you know crash. this this kind of pie in the sky yeah. which is how, how i kind of look at it for me it was just right we're going to do it we're a team me and, me and my wife right okay what are we doing how much do we need again we need 30k okay how do we find it right 30k how do we find 30k let's start some businesses. Let's do some savings. Here's our savings rate to be able to buy that property. Mm. You work for twelve months. I work for fifteen. Let's, you know, we came up with a plan of action to be able to mm. do to, to, to do mm. certain things to be able to make that happen. Yeah, but we did it as a, a as a team as well, which mm. is actually yeah. really important. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that you've mentioned and you've t- discussed is um kind of centered around the frugality aspects, so like saving money, Mm -hmm. um, living somewhat of a modest lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you know, not splurging on um, frivolous things. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's another aspect to Mm -hmm. gaining financial independence, which is obviously increasing your earnings, your income. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: so what are your kind of thoughts and advice in that regard? Okay. So this is a really big part. So we've been talking about downside kind of, which is what you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So for me, as I mentioned earlier, it's actually two things. So one is personal development and one is, um, taking some, some, some risk. So on the personal development part, what I what I'm really talking about there is, um, kind of expanding your, your universe beyond, um, what it is at the moment. So for me personally, I did that formally and informally. So the formal bit is, Right. So at one point I didn't have a degree, so I got a degree. At one point I wasn't a chartered accountant, so I became a chartered accountant. Mm. One point I didn't have an MBA, so I got an MBA. Each one of those things has a story around mm. how I went around doing it. Because mm. lots, lots of the time I didn't really have the money to commit to it, but you find if you're quite enterprising, if you're thinking of ways to make things happen, mm. you find a way. So for example, when I did my MBA, I needed uh, about seventy thousand pounds. robbed a bank. <laughs> so, <laughs> I and this is this is only 2014. 14, mm. Yeah. And where did I, you, you know, get the, the MBA from? Uh, from the University of Cambridge Church Business you School. Okay. <laughs> <So, laughs> Craig knew that. Obviously, well, so, we got um, another a Cambridge <laughs> fellow amongst us. Come okay. um, on. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, uh, <laughs> That's it's a slight digression, but actually it's it's just worth explaining your thought process. Because yeah. when I thought about doing it, the money did not put me off. For me, I kind of knew this is part of the journey because I kind of worked out that you know this might be the premium I might get on my income by doing this piece of personal learning, right? Mm. So, I, you know, I went off pitch to my employer at the time. I said, "Look, what I want from you guys is thirty grand." I did a presentation, blah 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 blah, blah. and they went away. They went away and kind of considered it, mm. came back and said, um, "Look, we will we, we will we will give you the thirty grand if you." Stayed with us for a couple more years. Mm. You know, I then went off, pitched to Cambridge for a 10% off. They gave me six grand for writing an essay. Okay. I pitched to my mom, she gave me six grand. So you can see wow. very easily you start wow. to build up. The, Imagine a hustler spirit, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I've yeah. never
2: been paid six grand for an essay in my life. <laughs> That's the, um, been a great essay. <laughs> yeah, but
3: the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, yeah. you know, if, if one really wants to change their the kind of the, the world around them, Mm. it's entirely possible yeah. if you kind of just do 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 things every day. Yeah. So the point about personal development essentially is it's formal learning, which is all this stuff I've been talking about. This informal learning, which is me learning stuff that no one would teach me at university or at some business school or, or wherever. So this is the stuff around kind of watching YouTube videos, experimenting, reading books. I mean, I read so many books. I got literally every every room in my home has a bookshelf. Right, so I read a lot of books and I, I didn't just read books. I actually applied learning. Mm-hmm. So for me, a lot of that personal development comes from kind of understanding and read books that are specific to things. I read books about sales, for example, <laughs> or books on marketing, mm-hmm. or books on specific niches that would be relevant to different things I'm interested in. So for example, starting a little business or starting you know, an online business Mm. or what have you, then the risk-taking part comes in with trying things out. So, for example, you know, a lot of us think about things like, you know, I want to create a business and, you know, and uh, create this unicorn, right? (laughs) And I say, well, that's that's good for you. But what, you know, how about just creating something that makes you 200,000 pounds, you know, and then maybe Mm. selling it and creating another one that makes you maybe 50,000 or 300,000. So that approach kind of helped us a lot. So, for example, we run some uh, some nurseries, so children's nurseries, um, and that's done really well. You know, that's helped us. I, I I've never paid children's nursery fees because we own our own nurseries.
0: Yeah, mm. and, <laughs> everyone's always complaining but, about the, the cost of childcare. we so yeah, and sure that, making the kids smart.
3: <laughs> no, but the thing is, you say smart, but it, it came out of necessity. My sister had three kids. They got to nursery age, and my mother said, "Well." if they can't afford it, let's just start our own. Mm. You know, and we, and we just went and I got 10 grand loan from Tesco Bank. My sister got 10 grand loan from Sainsbury's Bank. The other one got 10 grand from somewhere else. And we just put it all together into 50 grand and went and leased the building, came yeah. up with a name yeah. and just started in Willich. Willich in South What I Easton? love
2: about, what so far you've mentioned a lot about like your wife and then you've started to talk about your family and sort of doing this thing collectively. Mm. And I think often people... And maybe, I don't know if this is a full story, but I think like often people think that they have to do everything on their own. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, and don't look wrong. at like, how no. can you join assets together? Yeah. Which is something that particularly, I remember, I can speak from, from like the older generation. So when people first came and settled from the Caribbean yeah. in this country, it's very much like we're all going to live in one house and then help each other or like on the way up. Whereas now, it's a, I would say, like, in general, apart oh, yeah. from your family, Kweku, um, a lot of people have a very individual yeah. individualistic mindset towards, like, financial independence, mm. which is, like, I need to do this by myself, even though, like, I know that my boys or my girls and my friends also want to do something similar. Mm. And nobody really thinks about, like, putting their assets
3: together. Yeah, yeah well, it's interesting that, because, see, the, ju- the thing about this journey to financial independence is that you do need to have an individual mind, because... Um, it doesn't mean you do things on your own mm. necessarily, but you do need to have an individual mind because this journey is really about fighting resistance. And by that, I mean fighting the kind of status quo about how what's considered normal. Okay, so, uh, you know, I used a car example earlier. There are many examples. So, for example, you know, um, people might frown at you if you went to buy clothes from a charity shop. Okay. Um, and stuff like that. Or if you shop at we shop at Audi, Mm -hmm. right? Some people might say, well, actually, that that's not really a cool shop to buy things in. Mm -hmm. Right. This, 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 this type of stuff is what I refer to as resistance, right? So there's that piece where you're quite individual in your mindset and you know, do you know what I'm doing this because of this, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's the piece about, okay, so to be able to grow and do certain things, I know I need to collaborate. So I'll give you a really good example. So we, we um, uh, in 2016, we bought our first commercial property, which was necessary because so far with the nurseries, we've been leasing buildings. Mm. But to be able to buy that, it was a, a lot of money. Like I'm talking, you know, like kind of money people will retire on. Mm. Retire on. Mm. But to be able to buy it, you know, we had to spread risk a bit. And again, we pulled together again. You know, my mother was like, do you know what? Um, This is how much we need. It's kind of a scary number. And everyone had to find ways to pull money together to be able to kind of put down the really heavy, it's about 40% deposit for a... a, a, It was a former GP surgery. It's really um, a D1 use, former uh, commercial use property. Uh, But to be able to put that down and buy that property and then lease that property, least that property to the business so to, to make that happen we had to pull funds together so there, there are these two elements really which is that you know i know i've got this you know this this goal which is an individual goal but at mm. the same time elements of making that goal possible means collaborating with other people and a bit for me personally a big part of that has been with my wife because not honestly none of this would be possible without mm. without my wife's um Shout just, out. Just her. Yeah, shout, shout out. Mary.
1: What's your wife's name again?
3: Mary. Shout out Mary, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, we up. She, my she, she, wife's pretty special. And and for me, this is partly tied to the blog as well, because mm. what we're really trying to, one of the kind of, that we're not very in your face about it, we're really trying to show people that, um, you know, family life's important. Mm. And... Uh, couples working together is extremely important, you know. Uh, and this is some of the stuff I learned from observing my parents because there were bits where my parents just didn't... They, they came from a different world, which is his and her money. So mm. kind of, this is this is my money and this is mine. <laughs> and they live very almost yeah. parallel lives. Yeah. And for me, I saw massive conflicts where, you know, they'd, they'd have these fights and, um, you know, now and again have these fallouts because you know, this person doesn't know what this person makes and that person doesn't know what that person makes. Then they have different net worths and they're just parallel. For me, it's just um, not very good growing up. So when we kind of thought about starting family life, we kind of had to think about a different way of doing this because it just helped um, make sure that we had peace, really, Mm. at at home. The collaboration Mm. brought brought peace.
1: What I wanted to ask is... um, about your approach to um obstacles and challenges because I think most people if they heard that study um for an MBA, Cambridge was seventy K just go nope they'll just be like I can't afford that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's but you, the- you 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 were just like, well seventy K, all right, challenge accepted. Yeah. What mm. what where do you feel like that came from? Is that something that you were raised with or was that something that you had to kind of learn? Is it sort of a byproduct of being you know, from Lagos, because I know how you know Nigerians. They know how to hustle. Mm-hmm. Where, 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 do you attribute that to? So,
3: so I completely attribute, attribute that to taking steps daily to try things out. Mm. So the thing I've noticed is that I've become a very personally, I've become a lot more fearless as time has passed because mm. I try things out every day. Okay. So as a result, I I feel a lot more confident, and I feel that things are not out of my reach yeah i don't know if, that's, if that makes any sense so mm. just by trying things out mm. uh, somehow with that example for example i'd, I'd kind of just assume, in my mind believe that well those guys in that business school mm. like why, why why can't i be one of those guys mm, yeah i mean why yeah. would mm. why would money stop me from doing this stuff and mm. how you know how could i actually find uh find mm. that money so mm. Um,
1: so did you think to yourself The other guys in, in At the business school At Judge Business School They probably would have had Financial backers as well so oh, why, he, oh massively yeah, So yeah. why can't I Find my own
3: financial backers Yeah yeah, yeah. Why, why can't I find a way Of getting my foot in the door mm. You know, and, and, and some of it was actually Because I kind of look at life Quite in, a, in, in an experimental way You've got to kind of Try things out See what the outcome is mm. Then go away and tweak it again And see what the outcome is So a lot of The kind of pitching Like when I pitched to Cambridge and say, hey, look, um, you know, I- I'd like 10% for, for, for writing something. Um, again, that was an experiment. I mm. was just trying stuff out, you know. And yeah.
1: what did they say when you proposed that? Was that something that had been done before? Was it unprecedented?
3: Like? No, no, it wasn't unpre- unprecedented, mm. if I can say the word. Um, they, um, they had done bursaries in the past, yep. small bursaries, but mm. they were not public things. Right. Yeah. I'd somehow found out that it was a possibility from somebody who had, had done a bit of homework on somebody who had been before. So I went and I pitched the same line to them and said, look, um, you know, I'm going to write something on a particular topic if you just let me know what it is. And and for that, you know, um, I'm going to, if you can give me a bit of a discount on the fees, that'd be amazing. And so they came back and said, okay, we'll give you temp, uh, about 10 about." £6,000 Wow! Um, and I thought okay yeah I'm going to write something and when, when I did it you know it mm. gave me a number of words to write. Uh, do things. you think so there's
2: I think that's wicked but I think there's so many people who might like even before thinking that that was possible that already believe that they wouldn't be that that they're not the right person to get that mm. like in I'm thinking of I'm thinking specifically about like imposter syndrome mm. and oh, people
3: geez. not believing that things are like set up for them to be able to do that. But that, do you know what? We all face that. And I face that a lot. I'll give you an example, right? I've got a surname that no one can pronounce, mm. right? And for a very long time, I thought things like, oh, if I went for this job, I might not get this job because, you know, um, people might look at it and go, first of all, he's African. Secondly, like, who wants, who wants a guy in a boardroom with a surname you can't pronounce? These are all thoughts in my head, mm. yeah? But I, you know, I've, I'm a chief financial officer today. I've mm. been finance director for large companies and smes and i've i've got there by by really by knocking by literally just trying you know you kind of just say well actually i'm going to apply and see what happens mm-hmm. uh, and i'll go to the interview and again see what happens so I'll give an example this job i've got at the moment um and i don't think there is another uh, i mean i've done the research i think there's another you know, kind of young black male cfo for a financial services firm in in London or in the mm. UK, even I don't think I found anyone, but mm. um, there probably might be maybe at most three or five people, mm. right? But I, I read something the other day. I guess it's not quite
1: the same thing, but it's only like one percent of um, VC decision makers are black. Or black? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So, but black. but it's interesting that actually thinking about it, because mm. some, my, most people most people might go, "Oh, okay." But the way I look at that is, that's amazing. That's a great opportunity because it mm. means they're looking for me. Mm. Interesting They're looking for me So I already knew That every single one of those firms Wanted somebody like me In the boardroom
2: Mm.
3: Mm. Because number one It helps them tick a box Mm -hmm. Okay Okay That's a bit shallow But but whatever For me it's like Okay They're looking for me Mm. Do I have what they're looking for Mm. And for me that was Have I ticked all the boxes And I did You know I've been working hard for years I've had all these boxes to tick And so, but when I went to the interview, the thing that really sold it for me was the storytelling. They asked me, Ken, who are you? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. And I got in at 5.30 p.m. in the evening. They'd seen all these people. The chairman, who was a former, um, who'd been chairman and CEO of of FTSE 100 companies, Mm -hmm. sat there and said to me, tell me about yourself. And I started that story by telling him about my life in Lagos. Hmm. and after speaking we hadn't even spoken about my life in the UK after that he said to me right you're the favorite for this job now I'm going to contact the CEO who's in the Caribbean and he's going to come back when he comes back he's going to interview you and it's most likely you're going to get this job they had four people who they had seen hmm. already who were most likely favorites for the, for the job already wow. so th- this has helped me kind of understand something really really phenomenal which is that our perceived disadvantages are really our advantages so when you think that you know, I'm, I'm not going to do something because they say, I give really obvious ones. So for me, for me, my big kind of block was my, my name, no one can pronounce my name. Mm. It's not like John Smith or, you know, really easy names people can pronounce. Right. Mm. Um, But for me, that block was really my, my advantage because Mm. uh, indirectly people are looking for you know, people who are either ethnic minorities, who, who've been through school and what have you, who are going to become future leaders in boardrooms or in, or in wherever. Mm. Why can't I be that person? That's kind of my mindset. I thought, well, actually, why can't my name be up there mm. so that I'm the guy who's managed to open that door? And so for me, that was a big kind of thing. And um, And being there now, kind of looking around... You know, it, it's is weird. Because I'm thinking, well, why aren't there many more people? And I think it's the mindset that most people kind of stop and not realize this point, that really the thing that they, they're fearful about is really the thing that if they understood it, I always look at it as a wave. Imagine you're surfing. The, the, that dis- perceived disadvantage is actually the wave. You can either be under the wave or on top of it. Mm. If you understand how to use it, you're going to surf above that wave. Mm. And... That's kind of how I visually imagine mm, it.
2: mm, Yeah, I'm really intrigued because I work, I work specifically in diverse inclusion work as a consultant. And one of the things that we talk a lot about um, on this podcast, sometimes it comes up and like in life, in my job is around like, but there are real structural barriers and there's like real structural inequality Mm -hmm. and stories like the one that you've told about like, you know, like I came from nothing and I came here and I worked really hard and now I'm here. Mm -hmm. Those are like very, very rare. And there are like, legit reasons why that's the case mm-hmm. um i just wonder for you what you've noticed is perhaps like some of the barriers that have been put in front of you mm-hmm. and maybe what the cost was for you in terms of then overcoming those barriers to mm-hmm. be in a position you are
3: so there are i've had to interview for many many jobs you know and um there are many that i haven't gotten you know i've gone gone and done interviews and you get there at the end and you get that disappointing email or call or whatever saying, Oh, you haven't got the job. Right. Mm. Um, and at times much earlier, for example, when I was training to become a chartered accountant, with the uh, qualifications, the ACA, and I was trying to, I was trying to do this qualification. You needed to get a training contract in order for you to actually do the, you know, become, become chartered and training become chartered. And I knew there was so many times when I applied, I knew like, I was quite strong on my CV. I'd got first class degree, blah, blah. But, you know, I'd get there and uh, they'd say, actually, no. Um, I, and I kind of, I just, you know, just have this kind of feeling that, there's actually, there's a bit more to this than
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know than meets the eye. But my approach has always been, you know what, there, there will always be some levels of prejudice wherever you go. But I think you've just got to keep knocking. This has always just been my approach. Mm-hmm. And the right door will open up. It might not be the one you kind of expect it to be. Like, for example, I've had to work via SMEs, kind of small and medium-sized mm-hmm. entities, in order to progress a lot quicker. Entrepreneurial businesses, where I, I took on a lot more responsibility uh, because I noticed that if I went to try and work for a 3100 business, for example, you know, the, the culture there might not be quite as um, open to change yeah. mm. as um, a more entrepreneurial environment might be. So um, that was a deliberate decision because I I'd noticed earlier on that, do you know what, for me to kind of get to that position, I need to approach things slightly differently. Um, and that's kind of helped me. So my point really is is that not every door... I've knocked on, or every day anybody knocks on, is really what's going to open. Mm. I think the, the the mindset really is is, you know, you've really got what it takes. You know, mm. we we all do, but it's just, you know, look, use what you've got in your hands at the moment and use that to to keep knocking and, and things happen. It's how I kind of look at it.
0: I want to change the direction just a little bit mm-hmm. and um, kind of hear about. What was it like for you I guess the moment that you realized that you are financially independent like can you describe <laughs> the the day and and how you <laughs> felt and how your family
3: felt and just yeah kind of just give us an insight. Do you know what's funny about that is the the thing about this journey is that um it's really more about the what happens in between. So imagine you um that the, the end goal is amazing, so you get there and you're like, Okay, well, this has happened, but the thing I found most um interesting are the the things that happened in between so and that I think's actually a really um sorry, my phone's going off there sorry, sorry, <laughs> um that I found to be the most powerful thing is 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 what happens in between I mean the day we beca- became became found out we became uh, financially independent. Um, it felt weird in though. you'd been aiming for this thing for so long. Uh, and then it happens and you're like, what should we be doing now? Mm-hmm. Um, do we need to stop working? Or do we need to, you know, do we need to tell everybody? Should we not? <laughs> um, and, I, and for us, it was more, oh, life just carries on really, but just carries on more, on our own terms. Mm. Um, And for example, Mary, my wife, she now works fully with me. She does full-time work now on my blog uh, at the humble Penny doing creative work and, you know, doing a lot of social media stuff and that type of stuff. Ordinarily, she wouldn't have had the, that possibility to do that. Right. And the work I do um, kind of as a CFO, again, that's, within my gift in that I can I can do that if the world, if like say something happened and that job didn't exist anymore, nothing would happen really for us. It would just be a case of, okay, okay, that's interesting. I stopped now. Mm. Uh, what should I do? Should I take a year out? Should I apply for another job? Should I, so work becomes a different thing now. It becomes more a question of, Am I, do I feel like I'm growing and am I contributing? And what type of work do I really want to be doing? Mm. Um, It becomes more optional rather Mm. than become this thing where, oh God, I've got to do it. Otherwise the bill, we will not be able to pay the mortgage next month or the rent or or whatever. But to get there, um, a lot has had to happen. You know, Mm. for example, we've had to give a lot. We've had to kind of give up on a lot to get, what we wanted so for mm. example more uh, pick a mortgage for example so most people have mortgages or most people are trying to get mortgages to buy a home and what have you um we, we've had to um manage our lifestyles a lot such that we constantly right from day one we're overpaying on our mortgages irrespective of what anybody said a lot of people say things like, oh, the interest rates are so low. Why are you bothering doing that? You know, and that, and that's that's a, re- mm. a legitimate comment to make, a legitimate mm. observation to make. But for us, it, this is the individual-minded thing I was talking about earlier. For us, we knew that mortgages change behavior mm. in that so long as that thing's there, you can't just get up and say, well, actually, I'm leaving my job forever. Or, I'm leaving my job for a year because I want to go to you know, try something in another country. You can't just do that unless you sell up and what have you. So we knew that, you know, we had to kind of get rid of it in a way somehow. And for us, that was our single-minded, one of our single-minded goals was to try, and, try to become mortgage-free. Um, and overpaying that mortgage was a big thing for us each single month. You know, we were, at one point we were overpaying by over a thousand pounds a month. But again, where does that money come from? Well, you know, Talks about personal development, talks about personal growth Mm. in your career, Mm. for example. Talks about the ideas of creating assets and Mm. things like that. So you're basically taking income from various other sources Mm. and using them to achieve things that are uh, holding you back in different ways. So, for example, the mortgage was one of them. So we were having £1,500, £1,000 overpayments
0: Mm. every
3: single month without fail. Mm. Obviously, the way compounding works, that completely... Works in reverse because that stops the um, the negative impact that debt has essentially because you're paying off capital, capital a lot mm. quicker mm. Um, than most people typically would. So we went from a 25 year mortgage, mm. mortgage to a 15 year mortgage to a 10 year mortgage to a seven and a half year mortgage so quickly. Mm. Right. In fact, That's our home, good. we bought our home in 2012. What year are we in? 2019 no. mm. Yeah. Less than seven so years. It, last year, we uh, paid off. We got rid of it. Wow. So. So it can happen. Mm. I mean, I'm 35 years old now. Um, You know, I know. I know a lot of people are trying to buy homes, and you know, it's a legitimate challenge for most people. But I think, I think these things are actually actually possible. They require levels of creativity as well. You know, just kind of thinking of things in a different way. Um, Almost not. I wouldn't say almost. Don't major on the, the. the petty things that most people are concerned about every day to day. one was kind of thinking well how else can I do this stuff mm-hmm. how else can I do it you know yeah. um, and asking those questions have helped us in different ways yeah I mean you mentioned um,
0: the concept of having multiple streams of income mm-hmm. and I think our generation are you know kind of like the, the group in which we've realized that as a necessity more so than you know just like a, a money generating thing yeah um what do you think from your observation are the things that, you know, can help you generate money and, and, and get like either passive streams of income or just multiple streams of income
3: um that yeah are actually feasible? Okay, so so this was so I mean I get so excited talking about this because um you know we're in We're in a really, really interesting time in our in our lives, right? And the reason for that's because we all have these things in our pockets, these these digital devices, these mobile phones, right? Um, so overall, um, I think there's there's a bit of a mountain to climb to get away from the possibility of making money from one source. Most of us generally, you know naturally just think of our, of our day jobs and our salaries. Um, but I think today there's so much more that one can do. So I, I use examples like you know, I run my blog, for example. And, um, you know, at this moment, as we're speaking, it, it's generating some, some income from something else, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be from ad revenue or whether it be from, you know, affiliate income or whether it be from various things. Mm-hmm. But the, the, that possibility, as an example, the fact that I'm able to do that is for me is mind blowing because anybody, um, anywhere, you know, especially pick the UK, for example, you know, we all have the ability to set up PayPal accounts or Stripe accounts. We all have the ability to buy domain names uh, fairly cheaply, two pounds, one pound. We all have the possibilities of the internet and the fact that we use uh, and consume content but the, the the difference i think is is a, again is a mindset thing because are you i'm going to ask you are you a would you say you're a net consumer of content or a net producer of mm. content okay mm. so most people are digesting what other people are putting out um so we at home we don't you know me and mary we don't watch we don't watch tv right because we just think it's a waste of time um instead we spend that time on creating And it's taken quite a, it's been a bit of a journey to get to a point where I can see myself as a a creator. Bear in mind, I'm a chartered accountant by profession, (laughs) right? So I'm a logical kind of guy. But to kind of start to see myself as somebody who can create stuff took quite a while to get there. And what happens when you start to create stuff, especially when you really create value, is that money comes into your life in different ways. So the minute one understands that um, value creation is what generates money, then the question then becomes How? what different ways can I create value? Mm. And by, by value, I really mean uh, outcomes and transformation, so results. So mm. doing things that people find useful mm. and by doing that, they they don't feel bad about taking out their cards and saying, well, actually, you've done something amazing here that's helped me move forward in my life in, in this way.
2: Mm.
3: I'm going to pay you X for it because it's your price for the, this particular thing that you've, you've done for me. Mm. I think the internet, I've become really excited about it since launching my blog, it offers amazing possibilities for anybody of any age if they're really open-minded and are quite mm. keen to kind of understand how how the internet can be leveraged. Um, but the overarching point here, as far as other streams of income is concerned, is you want to focus on building assets, not just income. Okay. Mm. That's really it. Mm. You really want to build assets. So they, those could be physical assets, most people think about property, you know, and things. But there are digital assets as well that, you know, you really want to be thinking about mm. and, and, and and leveraging. So we're so connected now that, you know, you know, if you start something today, it could completely, completely blow up tomorrow mm. if, you, if you know what you're doing. Yeah. So
1: just, um, we have to wrap soon. Um, we're running out of time, but I just wanted to ask one, uh, one more quick question, um, so you said at the beginning of the podcast, most people are at stage in their financial journey, um, which is um, financial solvency. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that are listening, and I guess us in the studio as well, what would you say is the first step that you can take um, to sort of go to the next level, to 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 go beyond financial solvency? What's the first thing you can do?
3: Okay, so um, the goal there really is to try to live um, below your means. That's okay. the ultimate goal at that stage, and one of the tools that helped us mm. and helps people at that stage really is is to give a lot more weight towards budgeting in your life, okay. so <clears throat> most of us just just live and pay for things as we go along, so mm. you need to put certain controls in place. Mm-hmm. You see this in businesses um businesses have controls, so you need controls around certain certain expense areas so for us, for example food. Uh, it's one example. We have a budget of £50 pounds a week as a family. And um, that's that's the budget. You know, if, if Mary's going shopping, I'm going shopping. It's £50 pounds cash. Um, right, do the shopping. The difference is not when I get to the shop or when she gets to the shop and the bill comes out to be £75. Pounds, you don't just whip out your card and just pay. Right. It's having that almost restraint to say, well, actually, have we have we shopped according to a, a budget, for example? Mm. So that principle applies across different different spheres of one's life. That could mm. be car costs. It could be so the question then becomes, well, actually, if I've got this budget, how can I make my actual living cost match that budget? How can I make that happen? The goal there being that you are creating then a margin. Mm-hmm. You know, you're creating a buffer that then becomes cash flow, mm. which then either goes off to pay down debt. Or it goes off towards savings that then gets invested in, in, in into creating assets. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, what you want each month is to create enough of a buffer such that you have breathing room and then you have decision-making abilities around, okay, I've got this buffer now. What am I doing with it? Mm-hmm. Am I saving it? Okay, if I'm saving it, how is that money going to work such that it's not being depleted by inflation? Mm-hmm. So, how does it work? Well, you can invest it into certain assets. Um, it could be fiscal assets or digital assets or, or whatever or you could say well actually I'm going to take the return that comes by paying down my debts um, mm. or you could have a combination of that so that really is mm. um, one step one can take at yeah. that stage of financial solvency that's, yeah.
0: that's really good advice yeah on a personal level I'm kind of investing in all well, my savings in the stocks and shares I saw and that's obviously like invested in the global index fund, so mm-hmm. kind of make a return off that. But that's not something that's really easy to set up. you trying to get my girlfriend to do it for the longest, but she's yeah, moving a bit slow. But yeah, simple things like that you can, mm-hmm. yeah. you can start doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um before we do wrap up, I just thought, um, in the vein of creating value, um,
3: obviously can you have a financial independence course? What's mm-hmm. the name again? So the course is called Fire Superpower. So uh, the idea there being fire stands for financial independence, retire early. The superpower bet essentially comes from the idea that financial independence gives you a superpower. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> so um, maybe if you just in a couple of sentences,
0: say what it is and, and what it involves. And then um, actually, as a, a podcast, you've actually well, kind of collaborated on uh, a, a way in which our listeners can also... Um, get a discount on the course mm-hmm. itself so maybe if you just give a, a
3: little overview of that before we wrap up yeah so fire superpower is a roadmap for anybody that anybody can follow towards becoming financially independent so most people i come across who say to me ken how do i start how do i invest my money um you know how do i manage risk how do i build assets how do i make more money how do i work on personal development all this stuff so i've listened to all these things in the process of running my blog and listening to hundreds of people, almost consolidated all the all the questions I got, and then created content around it. So, the course essentially is a has over fifty videos. Um, so it's all in video format. So over five hours of content, over fifty videos across nine different lessons uh, modules, and the idea with each one is is introducing somebody into a program that will help them. Create a personalized plan for financial independence. Mm-hmm. So you can see that at firesuperpower.com. So F I R E and then superpower.com. Um, or go to my blog at thehumblepenny.com forward slash uh, fire superpower. So you can go to either one of those places uh, and you can go and look at the entire what the course mm-hmm. is about. You can look at the curriculum, but it's all in video formats. You can watch on your mobile. You can, you know, Listen, you know, you can basically watch the whole thing on the go. And it's taken us, you know, over eight months to create this content. And for us, it's really about helping people. We need more people who are financially independent over time. Uh, we need this becoming a reality for most people rather than just a phantom idea. So, but for that to happen, there's a great deal of learning to be done, There's a great deal of doing to be done as well. So, and that's what this course is there to do. Oh, okay, that's amazing. So, we're going to put those
0: details in the info, description of the podcast as well when we release it. Is there actually a code um, for that? Could
3: yeah, so know? for the guys who, the amazing people who listen to this podcast, we've created a coupon discount. So if you use the code BRIDGE, um, if you go to, so the course is £197. Uh, we've made that to be hopefully fairly accessible to most people. But If you use the code BRIDGE, you get £20 off, um, off that price um, straight away. And that's available, I believe, for the next um, week or so. So so please use the code bridge at checkout.
0: Wicked. Okay, okay. And we're going to be dropping this tomorrow, anyways, So, Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Hopefully everyone can take advantage of that. Sorry, oh, where's my voice going? <laughs> <laughs> feels like puberty again. Um, <laughs> cool. So um, I'm just going to take this opportunity to thank you, Ken, for coming. Yeah, it's on to been the great. Thank you no, so no, much. No, thank you guys. Thank mm. you guys. It's, it's been, been a real a
1: pleasure. So many gems dropped, man. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I'll be listening back to this a few times for sure.
0: Yeah, I imagine yeah. some listeners, well, pod, uh, their pads are going to be full of notes as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah got a, a lot of value out of that conversation.
3: That's no, good. No, I really, honestly, guys, thank you. I mean, I, I can cross your podcast, and I'm really glad that uh, um, you've invited me here. So, thank you massively for the opportunity. If anybody wants to reach me personally, just write me, you know, write me an email. It's usually the best thing. Ken at the humblepenny.com. Great.
1: Wicked. Perfect. perfect. Just plug us our, our our bits as well, and then um, slide so
2: it. You nodded at me below. I <laughs> you said it. Well I haven't seen you in a while So it'd be nice to hear your wow, voice too my voice on this podcast It's yeah. <laughs> like a whole new thing Yeah, um, yeah follow us at um, At OTB Podcast UK On Twitter and Instagram Feel free to email us as well we're At otbpodcastuk at gmail.com We love hearing from you Whether you loved it Or you didn't like it Or just just get in touch man And say hello It's always nice to hear from our listeners It'd be wicked to reach out um, We'll stay in touch with you On like whether or not We're doing another live But if you haven't already Like Pat and and stuff this one check out our last episode it was a long one but it was a great one as was this one as are all of them because we're great and we're doing, right? <laughs> um, but thank you guys and take care